The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. Well, if you'll turn in your scriptures, please, to Matthew chapter 13. And we'll read the first 23 verses. Matthew 13 and the first 23 verses. This is the word of God. Let's give our attention to it. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying... A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never understand. Perceive, For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, And your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, 
in another 60, and in another 30. Amen, and thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Lord, as we come now to your word, we would indeed hear you with the hearing of faith, a hearing which profits us, and a hearing which bears fruit. To that end, we plead with you, almighty God, work richly in each one of us. Give me words to speak. Give us all ears to hear what your spirit will say. And Lord, waken the deaf and open the eyes of the blind, we beseech you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our Lord begins this section of Matthew's Gospel speaking in parables. Parables. A parable is an earthly story which conveys a heavenly or a spiritual meaning. In other words, Jesus is speaking in a common fashion in order that he might convey to his hearers spiritual realities. Realities about himself about the preaching and the reception of the word, and realities about the kingdom of heaven. And here we have the parable of the sower. In it, we're confronted with the reality that many in the kingdom of heaven, at least formally in the kingdom of heaven, sit under the preached word regularly and do not profit from it. Do not profit from it. Such is life in the kingdom. Our Lord says many are called, few are chosen. And yet, there is also a great encouragement in this parable. At each of the end of the sections of this parable, a great encouragement to those who do hear by faith, who desire to hear and see the content of the parable. There is great profit in doing such. Indeed, there is abundance, to use our Lord's language, abundance given to such. What we have here is three sections in the parable of the sower, the parable stated. Then there's a section in verses 10 to 17 where parables in general are explained. And then the third section is the explanation of the parable of the sower. The fact that Jesus interrupts this parable with an explanation on parables itself is significant. And that's what we'll turn our attention to firstly today. Why the parables? What's going on with parables and why is Jesus speaking in them? And then we'll turn our attention to the parable of the sower. So why parables? Why the parables? Remind yourselves what has come in Matthew's gospel prior to chapter 13, a lengthy section where our Lord has done many miracles, has taught extensively, often in the synagogues. And what have we seen? We've seen some people in chapter 12 ask the question, can this be the son of David? Has the Messiah come? While others condemn themselves in a spectacular fashion by blaspheming the Holy Spirit, saying that this one, Jesus, casts out demons by the power of Satan. In other words, some have heard apparently with profit and with faith, while others have not heard and seen the Christ with faith. It's at this point that Jesus starts to speak in parables. And in chapter 13, he speaks seven, maybe eight parables, depends on your reading of it, parables which are 
mysterious in a certain way. Jesus thus far has been preaching largely in synagogues. Now he leaves the synagogue, and here we find him on the side of a lake. The congregation are on the beach. He is in a boat, and he speaks to them in parables. What is a parable, children? This is question one on your outline. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly or spiritual meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly or spiritual meaning. Christ is speaking in common matters in order to convey deep spiritual truths. And the method of the parable is to connect the hearer with something that is obvious and easy to understand and to get them to think deeply about the central point of the parable. Well, not to get lost in the details, there's a central thrust to each parable. But why would our Lord speak in parables and not speak plainly? That's precisely the question in verse 10 that the disciples ask. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them, the masses, the people, in parables? Why would he do such And our Lord comes back with a rather shocking and surprising answer. Verse 11. He says, to you, the disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. To you, disciples, it has been known It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to others it has not. He speaks in parables so as to reveal truth to some and to hide truth from others. To open it to a group of people and to close the truth to another category of people. Our Lord elaborates verse 12. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What does Jesus mean? It's almost like he's speaking in a parable again, isn't it? He's saying by means of parables, the revelation of himself and the gracious work of God in salvation, some will receive and others will lose. That's the intention, the design behind them. Take, for example, the Jews to whom he was speaking. What did they all have in common? They had their covenant status. The grand blessings of being the covenant people in relationship corporately with God. Consider those who are of the covenant people who heard and saw the Christ and receive him by faith, they are those who have. And they receive him by faith, and Christ says, more to you than just your covenant status will be given. You will have abundantly, you will have blessing upon blessing upon blessing, even eternal life itself. To the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But think of the Jew who did not receive, just in the last chapter, those who accused him uh, of, of casting out demons by the power of Satan. What do they have? They have covenant status. But they don't have faith. 
They have covenant status, but they don't have the Christ. Even what they have, their status, will be taken from them. Because frankly, covenant status does not get you into heaven. It's the reception of the Christ as Lord and Savior that will see you into heaven. That's the shocking truth. He speaks in parables so that some will see and hear and believe and others will not. And perhaps even more surprisingly, this was to fulfill, he says, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says... You will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. Think on that for a moment. God told his people hundreds of years before this event that some of them would never understand, even though they heard, that though they saw they would never perceive. No matter what was done before them, what mighty works or or awesome teaching of the Christ, they would refuse the Christ. They would refuse the grace of God. They would refuse salvation. It was foretold. Look to the reason. Verse 15. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their eyes they can barely, ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed it's the dullness of their heart the spiritual deadness of their life their rebellion their deep-rooted rebellion against the christ that's the reason why they did not hear but there's another reason isn't there the rest of verse 15 it's not just their own actions their own disposition against the christ against the truth this was according to god's plan The sovereign will of God was that they would not understand or see or hear. That was his will. He says, lest, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. There's a clear congruence, a a consonance between the divine will of God in election and the heart of those who are hearing and rejecting Christ. We know God's determination in election and people's response to the truth always work hand in hand. They're never at odds. To put it another way, God never condemns anyone against their will. They desire to reject. And and conversely, God never saves anyone against their will. Why? Because he changes the will of a Christian to desire the Christ. To say, friends, there is a perfect harmony between the sovereign decree and will of God and the actual life and desires and hearts of those who reject and those who are saved. We must conclude, friends, that the Jews hardening here, both by the decree of election and by their own choosing in the moment, was to the greater ends of the salvation of the gentiles friends there's a hard lesson in this for us 
God's ways are not our ways. The divine will is not our will. And when it's revealed, it's not always easy to comprehend, though we are challenged to accept it. But for Jew and Gentile, we find at the end of this section, there is what? There is profound blessing in receiving Christ. Profound blessing in receiving him through parables, through his teaching, through his signs. And the blessing is twofold, verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. There's the blessing. The blessing of seeing the Christ and believing in him. Hearing the Christ and trusting on him for salvation. He's saying to them, to you has been revealed the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that a staggering thing to say? To you, disciples, has been revealed the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, the secret of the Christ, the secret of the Messiah. He's saying for you, disciple, disciples, salvation's great gates have been cast wide open that you might walk through it. Dear Christian, do you see and do you hear? Yes, you do. If you've received the word by faith, you've received the Christ by faith. You see and you hear. Blessed are you, says the Lord Jesus Christ. You've seen the Christ and trusted in him. You've heard the words of eternal life and received them. To hear Christ or to receive his words is to receive the person. And to receive the person is to have all of your sins forgiven. Blessed are you. But the blessing is twofold, isn't it? The second part there, verse 17. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. It can be said of us as well. Though we do not see Christ with our eyes, we see him by faith. We see him by the full revelation of God's word. Many Old Testament saints sought to see the Christ and did not see him. Even though it says of Abraham, Abraham saw my day, rejoiced and was glad. He saw the Christ from afar. He saw him in types and in shadows. And yes, he believed but he saw him as a shadow. Imagine only being able to see your loved ones in a shadow or an outline of them. You would still love them, wouldn't you? But you wouldn't see them fully. We have seen the Savior. That which they did not have in the old covenant, the fullness of revelation, friends, we have all the more reason to be devoted to the word of Christ. You see, that's what's going on in parables. Christ, the kingdom, faith, personal responsibility, the decree of election, they're all in these parables. And our Lord is going to teach us about himself, about the kingdom, about our need to receive the word of Christ. And that's precisely what the parable of the sower teaches us, about hearing and seeing the Savior. This is the parable 
of the sower. Children, that's question three in your outline, by the way. The parable of the sower. The parable is stated very simply in the first nine verses of our text. Uh, Jesus gets onto a boat because he's ministering to huge crowds. But in verse 10, the crowds narrow to the disciples. And he's told them an earthly story, an earthly story uh, familiar to most of the people he was speaking to, an agricultural picture. He tells the story of a sower who goes out to sow and broadcasts seed in his field by hand. He casts out the seed and the seed falls onto four different kinds of ground. There's some falling on the path, some falling amid the rocks, some falling amid the thorns, and the rest fall upon the good soil. He tells them that the seed that was cast onto the path, immediately the birds come down and devour it straight away. Uh, The seed that's cast into the rocks spring up, but because they've got no soil, no root, no nutrition, when the sun comes out, it beats down on them and it shrivels and withers and dies. The seed thrown into the thorns grows up, thorns grows up and yet gets, gets choked out by the thorns. And then the seed that fell into the good soil produced a crop, some 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. This, friends, is, is the simple reality that all farmers and some gardeners know. But Jesus is not interested in gardening. That's not his point here he's speaking about the word of god look at verse 19 when anyone hears the word of the kingdom that's what he's concerned about the king preaching the words of the kingdom it's about the word sown through preaching it's about the word of god received through hearing and he begins to explain the parable there in verse 18 and he starts with these words Hear then. Hear then. It's a command. In fact, in the Greek, it's one of those emphatic constructions. It's literally you, you, hear. Listen. You who are hearing now, listen. He's saying to the disciples, listen to what I'm about to say. He's saying to us as disciples today, hear this word of God. Hear with profit. Hear with faith. Here, having received the Christ, and be blessed. Pay attention. It's like it's in bold and capital letters. Imagine that. Stands out, jumps off the page. Pay careful attention now, he says. He's already told us some will hear and not profit from it. Others will receive his word through parables and will receive much blessing. Think on that. When Christ was preaching, the greatest preacher that has ever lived was preaching. Beyond doubt. The greatest preacher. And yet many listened without profit. Indeed, according to the categories our Lord uses here, for every one kind of person who received with profit, 
there were three kinds of people that did not profit. And the interesting thing is that the people who did not profit looked and sounded and acted exactly the same as those who did receive the profit. Only one kind of person listened to the word preached and benefited from it. Only one kind received the blessings of life in Christ. Only one kind listened with the ears of faith. One out of four. Our Lord's words, not our own. The first kind is the seed that falls on the path. Jesus says, verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. The words of the kingdom. Christ is inaugurating the kingdom at his coming. Here are the words of the king who will overcome this world either by salvation or by judgment. Important we understand that. These are the words of the king, speaking the words of the kingdom, that will overcome this world either by salvation or by judgment. This is the first act of judgment in this narrative. The seed that fell on the path are those who heard the word, and as soon as they hear it, they don't understand, they don't believe, and the evil one snatches it out of their hearts. As the birds came down and devoured the seed, that is a picture of the work of Satan. Children, listen carefully. Children, when you get home... And your parents ask you about this parable as they should, parents. So that means you need to know what it's about as well. Will Satan have snatched the word out of your heart by the time you get home? That goes for all of us. Will Satan have snatched the word from our heart? We all need to hear this. We can all sit under the word without profit. Do we know that in those moments, friends, we have been assaulted by Satan himself? In some way, Satan has diverted you in your hearing so that you're not profiting now or even later. Are we aware that right now there is a great spiritual battle in each one of us? going on satan has an interest in withstanding you and compromising you and he will do it by snatching the word from your heart the second ground is the rocky ground verse 20 our lord says as for what was sown on rocky ground this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Here, the enemy, Satan, has another method of thwarting the path of the word in our lives. It's persecution, it's threat, it's tribulation, it's danger. You might be here today receiving the word with joy. You might leave those doors with joy. But then you face the pressure of the world tomorrow. Perhaps you've got unbelieving family members. 
perhaps you've got work colleagues or employers or college friends or the government or any source that puts pressure on you because of your faith in Christ. And we know people who have decided that the cost of taking up their cross is too high for them and they defect to the world. We know it to be true. We've seen it. Though they received the word with joy at one point, the pressures of the world have been too much for them because they have no root in themselves. They haven't received the word by faith. They've not received the words of the king. They don't have a vital interest in their own well-being or a vital interest in the kingdom of heaven, and they defect. Their faith fades. They turn away. Why? Because of the pressure to conform. The pressure to conform. Friends, the only pressure you need to feel to conform is to that of Christ-likeness. The world has nothing to offer you. Young people, do you hear that? The world has nothing to offer you. Make no mistake, some of us have been there and seen it. It has nothing to offer you. Absolutely nothing. The threat is real. We know people have chosen the world because they've refused to count the cost. Friends, we must earnestly wrestle within ourselves that when we leave this place, we are prepared actually to take up the cross. The third seed is those that fell among thorns, verse 22. What was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This is particularly relevant in our age, especially again for younger people. But for all of us, let me ask the question, for what are you looking in this life? What do you ultimately want Because we live in an age of influencers and followers, of likes, of TikTok fame and fortune. Uh, Older older friends, it's easy, just as easy for us to be diverted, to have the word choked out of our lives by the pursuit of worldly things. It comes down to this, doesn't it? What do you want most in life, dear friend? What do you want most in life? To use Christ's words, are you the kind of person who is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And is that reflected in your relationship to the word of God? Is the word of God one of the central structures of your lives, personally, in your families, and in our corporate lives? Is the word central to you? Because it's not just about reading something and checking a box, isn't it? These are the words of eternal life. This is how we shall have communion and fellowship with the triune God who loves us. This is how we shall do it, through words, sacrament, and prayer. You see, the reception of the word and our response to it reveal to us much about our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And that reception is not only a reflection of that relationship, but also one which enriches that relationship. Because the fourth kind of ground is the good soil. Verse 23, what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Friends, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Hearing and understanding the word of God, the word of Christ, is to receive the person of Christ by faith. Is to receive the person of Christ by faith. And we're to have that word written on our hearts, called a discipleship. Because it's the central way, not the only, but the central way to know and commune with the living God. Christian, you must be a person of the word. I know it's a struggle. We all face it. But you must be a person of the word. Because what happens when you're a person of the word and you receive the word by faith? You bear fruit and you yield. You produce in some cases, a hundredfold fruit, 60 or 30, but you produce. That's to say the depth of your relationship with God, the strength of your assurance, your increase in holiness, your joy in life, your service to, to, to others, your service to the kingdom, your growth in grace and humility and so on. All these things are produced by a living relationship with Christ for people who are in his word. Our Lord has talked in this passage, friends, of abundant blessing. Abundant blessing. For to the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. Friend, do you feel like you've got an abundance of spiritual blessing? If not, there's a simple remedy. Be a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl who loves the word of God, who receives it, who receives Christ, and understand and feel and experience the abundance. Very simple. It's not complex. We have to ask ourselves, are we stagnating? Are we standing still? Are we struggling in life? In our spirits? In our holiness? We all do from time to time. And we all fight the fight daily. If we find out that we're, we're stagnating... We're struggling to make uh, progress in the Christian life. I'm going to say, I think without fear of being contradicted, that in most cases where that's the case, there's a direct correlation between one's spiritual state and whether we are in the word of God. Probably in 90% of cases. If we're struggling in holiness and in our walk with God, get in the word. Get in the word. Get in the word. Know Christ. Know Father. Know the Holy Spirit through the word. You see, it doesn't have to be, in a sense, a constant low-level struggle with the matters of life. There's always struggle, don't misunderstand me. But with the word of God, friends, a little goes a long way. 
It strengthens you for the day. It strengthens you for the week. It strengthens you for life. It strengthens you in your service. It strengthens you in your relationship. It corrects you. It edifies you. It rebukes you. It exhorts you. It instructs you in the paths of righteousness. What more do you want? It's all there. And you hold it in your hand. You hold it in your hand. Friends, prepare yourselves to come into God's house every week. Do so on Saturday to hear the word. Do so on Saturday. You don't need me to tell you how to do that. Prepare yourselves. When you come into God's house Sunday morning, Sunday evening, maybe we should pray before the service quietly. There's time to catch up afterwards. Dedicate yourself personally, familiarly. Let's do it corporately as well to the study of God's word, to the study of the Christ. And consider this, friends. Our Lord in this passage promises for those that receive him by faith and receive his word with faith. He promises abundance, a magnitude of blessing that we can scarcely comprehend, both in this life and in the life to come. May God grant us grace and faith to be people of his word. Let's pray. Lord God, we plead with you now that this word will find good soil in all our hearts. That even in those that don't know you, Lord God, might be caused to think upon themselves and turn and turn unto you. Have mercy upon us, Lord, so that your word will grow in our lives and produce the fruit which brings glory to your name. We desire this. We ask this for our sake. But above that, for your name's sake, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.